we're going to be going to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians is what we're going to jump into. Well, they're holding me accountable already up to verse 17. Okay, we'll see if we get there, but that's where I have planned to go. There is a lot of meat in the text this morning. Praise the Lord for that. So let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, we come before you, Lord. We do want to thank you for blessing us with this time this morning to open up our Bibles to study. Lord, we, we know in other places across the world that some people can be put to death for even having a Bible. So, Lord, we come before you this morning now and just want to thank you for allowing us to do so. I pray and just ask that you would encourage us, Lord, and also at the same time challenge us through your word. Father, as we look at the, the church in Corinth, Lord, Help us to, to be a church that's focused on you. And, and we ask that you would just bless this time now. I, sur- I surrender my notes to you and ask that you would be with us. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So just some, a little bit of background history, you guys. Corinth, uh, the most important city in Greece during Paul's day. It was uh, a hub of worldwide commerce, of degraded culture, idolatrous religion. Paul founded a church there. And two of his letters are addressed to the church of God, which is at Corinth. Uh, 1 Corinthians reveals the problems, pressures, and struggles of a church called out of a pagan society. Me and my wife, we were talking about this yesterday morning, and she brought up a good point that this would, planning a church in Corinth would kind of almost be like modern day of planning a church in Las Vegas, Nevada, right there off the strip, okay, Uh, where everything's going on. Uh, That's just how busy, how crazy the society was um, back then in Paul's day. Paul addresses a variety of problems in the lifestyle of the Corinthian church. Factions, lawsuits, immorality, questionable practices, abuse of the Lord's Supper, and spiritual gifts. These were all things that were, I guess you can say, distracting them. Okay? Paul here shares words of counsel and, and answers to questions raised by the Corinthian believers. So there, there's a lot that we're going to go over. And also, verse 1 right away, it says, Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God in Sosthenes, our brother. So we look at Paul. Um, he accepted the Christian faith and began his mission to the Gentiles. He identified with his listeners by using his Roman name, not his Hebrew name. His Hebrew name is Saul, Roman name Paul. Why did he do that? In all of his letters, he identified himself as Paul, linking himself with the Gentile believers, letting them know, guess what? He's right there with them, right? Because back then, you have, these are who we are, Pharisees, you know, or we're above all, no all, Gentiles kind of considered below. And so guess what? I'm going to relate with you. And this is what he does here. Paul was a Jew from the tribe of Benjamin, a descendant of Abraham. He was born in Tarsus. He had been raised as a strict Pharisee and had been educated in Jerusalem under Gamaliel. Though born to Jewish parents, Paul was also a Roman citizen. Out of a diverse background, God fashioned a valuable servant using every aspect of his upbringing to be able to minister to those that would be around him, no matter where he went. I mean, when you look at the the knowledge, okay, it it says that he was educated in Jerusalem under Gamaliel. 
this man Gamaliel, non-Christian literature, talks about that Paul or Saul of Tarsus was, was so educated, had so much knowledge, he didn't have enough books in his library to keep this man busy. This is how smart this, this individual was. It's like, man, God was going to use that. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but if you don't know this, God's going to use every single one of us in this room. It doesn't matter what your background is. From the well-educated to, I don't care if you just came right out of high school, God's going to use you. He has special ways in how he's going to do that. I mean, that's, that's what, that what's so cool about our faith, about the, just the Lord and how he uses people. Like I said, it doesn't matter your background. God wants to use you. Are, are we willing, though? Are we willing? Because he's willing. And like I said, it doesn't matter what your history is. He's going to use that for his glory. I mean, how, how can I say that with such confidence and faith? You're looking at me this morning. Okay? And that's for sure because I never thought that I would be doing this. That, that's, that's the truth. Okay? I mean, praise God. Some of you guys have seen me come into this church 18 years old and you've seen the growth. Praise the Lord for that. Okay? And I'm not saying I've made it. Look at me. Oh, I've achieved. No, because I still mess up. <laughs> okay? There's times where I'm reading where I'll mispronounce a word. And for you guys, I hope it doesn't happen because it's intimidating up here looking at adults when I do that, okay? But when I do it to kids in the school, they're just like, what did you say? We laugh about it. It's hilarious because I'm like, yeah, I don't know what I said. But it's, uh, it's right there. How about you try saying it, okay? <laughs> doesn't matter your background. Just like, just like Paul here, God's going to use you. He used every aspect of Paul's upbringing to further spread the gospel message across the Roman Empire. During Paul's ministry, he took three missionary trips covering thousands of miles as he carried the gospel across Asia into Europe. This man, Sosthenes, is perhaps mentioned in Acts 18.17 as the head of the Corinthian synagogue, and he was actually beaten for protecting Paul, uh, protecting him and... and that's sometimes what's going to happen. We haven't experienced that here in the U.S. where we've gone through real physical persecution, but the time is coming. When? Uh, we don't know, but soon. We know that right now that if you're a Christian, you're considered a terrorist. Right? You can't even pray in schools anymore, depending on what state you're in. Um, they, they just watch you and... You're, you're the issue. It, it's amazing how that works. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Sosthenes was well known to the members of the Corinthian church, so Paul included his name here in the opening of this letter. Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God. And that's exactly what, what it was, through the will of God. Because what was, if you remember, Saul at the time, this is his name, what was his will? To go look for Christians, to persecute them, to put them to death. That's what he was, that was his desire, that was his will. God says, no, I got a different plan. And what does he do? He meets him, right, on the road to Damascus, face to face, speaks to him, causes him to lose his sight. And that's how he received the Lord. I mean, if God wants you guys, he's going to do whatever he can to get your attention. 
You understand? There, there's so many people in this world where they're given chance after chance, and I'm like, just, God loves you. Well, why would you put yourself through that? And they don't know the hardships that they're going to have to go through later on in life uh, because they will come. He's trying to give you every opportunity to receive him before your, your time here is up on earth. So it was through the will of God that Saul would be converted, right? Give his life to the Lord. And then God says, okay, now you're going to go out and you're going to spread the gospel. But guess what? He's, he went through some hardships because of it. Even though he was a Pharisee of Pharisees, that didn't matter. I mean, you look at individuals now. I know a lot of times we may look at celebrities, we may look at musical artists, and we say, man, if that person would just be saved, you know how many people they would bring to Christ? Maybe, but you know how quick people would turn on them? Well, we've seen it. They will, they'll try to cancel you with this culture, right? You claim to be a Christian, guess what? Oh, you're, you're on the dark side. The dark side? I don't, I don't get that. Verse 2, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Paul recognized this group of believers as sanctified in Christ, called to be saints. That's what God's desire is for everyone here on this earth. Called to be saints. To be sanctified means to be cleansed from sin, separated from the world and belonging to God. I don't know about you, but did any of you guys ever experience some change when you came to Christ with friends who were not saved? I know I did. One of the things for me when I rededicated my life to the Lord, God said, okay, cut everyone off. You need to focus on me. Everyone off. I'm not saying that's what you need to do. I'm just saying like that's what God was showing me. He was testing my heart. How serious are you about serving me? Cut everyone off. That was hard. I mean, hanging out with my own brother. I, that was my job to protect to make sure he wasn't getting into trouble. And God says, you got to stay away from that. I will, God didn't allow me to go out with him or my best friend for like almost a year after I rededicated my life. They're like, come on, let's go. No, I'm good. I'm just going to stay home. You can ask my mother. I was in my room nonstop. Wouldn't go anywhere, just in my room. And even my, my own friend, my close friend, best friend, was like, you know what? You're a punk, man. I just want to beat you up. What's up with you? Like, go get some ice cream with us. Just go grab a soda. No, I'm all, I'm all right. God's testing my heart. How bad did I really want to serve him? It wasn't easy. Sanctified means to be cleansed of sin, separated from the world, and belonging to God. This can only happen through salvation in Christ Jesus. For only his death on the cross could accomplish this for sinners. Okay? Paul was emphasizing their dedication to God, not their personal holiness. So, to be sanctified. Got a few verses to be set apart unto the Lord. We have 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 17 through 18. It says, Therefore come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. 
Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Also in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Okay? Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. As I talked about, there's distraction amongst us 24-7. You go to the workplace, people want to talk, people want to gossip, or they're watching your behavior once you say you're a Christian. Do you act like everyone else? As we looked at 2 Corinthians six seventeen, it said, come out from among them and be separate. Yes, we are in this world, but we're not of it. I'm not saying don't associate with anyone who's not a Christian because how are they going to hear the gospel if you're not talking to them? So, so we got to be in communication with them, but we show them God's love through our actions, through our speech, whatever it is that's, that's going on. But week in and week out at the workplace, what happens? We pick up sometimes some, some grime on us, right? Some dirt because of everything that, that takes place. I remember nonstop, you go to work, you hear cursing, or you hear the, the music, the old songs from back in the days that take you back, right? You're like, oh, yeah, I remember that. Start going, and you're like, wait a second here. But I remember what I used to do when I would listen to that type of music, right? Or you hear, like I said, people, oh, did you hear about so-and-so? Well, what's going on? I don't know what it was, but a lot of times at the last company I worked at, people would always come to tell me something about everything going on. I took that as, uh, maybe I'm supposed to be just praying for everyone. You know, It's not meant for me to walk around and just gossip. It does get hard though, right? But let's not lie about that. It does get very hard. Verse three says, "Grace, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This greeting, grace and peace, is typical of Paul's letters. It draws both from the Greek and Jewish customs. Paul uses this exact phrase five other times in the New Testament. Grace means God's undeserved favor. His kindness shown clearly in his free gift of salvation given in Christ. That's, that's the gift for us, right? That salvation, that free gift of salvation given to you, given to me. I don't know about you, but I can look back and I'm like, Lord, I don't deserve it. I'm so grateful that you've given it to me, but I know I didn't deserve it. I know how foul and wretched I was. The desires of my heart, my parents, and and that's the sad thing. Growing up in, in a Christian home, even having both parents in the home and guiding you in the ways of the Lord, it, it's just crazy how the the temptations of this world grab a hold of you. And you see that, and, and that was what I desired, was things of this world. I mean, let, let's be honest. Satan's not going to, you know, show you something that's going to lead to death. He's going to show you something that you want, something that's sparkly, something that's going to grab your attention. That, that's why it's called temptation. He packages it up really, really nice. And it's sad. I've seen that as, you know, I got out of high school and just how things looked. And I'm looking at how things are now for this generation of kids. Oh, my goodness. If I had to do it all over again, no thank you. 
because there's so much stuff. I mean, electronic devices, this is not a bad thing. And one of the things that I like to do is try to show the kids, this could be a tool. You could use it for good or bad. You know, so many times, though, it's like what they have out there, it's easy access to everything that's bad. You know, unless, unless you're one of those parents that has all kinds of filters and apps to block them from this stuff, they could easily get it, which is, at least back in the day, we had to work for it. You know what I mean? You had to go through some, through a process just to do something bad. I mean, spread gossip, there was no passing in class, right? Stuff gets posted on social media now, it's, it's out to the masses. We need to be praying for this generation of kids. Very, very hard. Like I said, if I had to do it again, no, no thank you. So we see that free gift of salvation given to us through Christ Jesus, receiving it brings peace. The peace that Christ established between believers and God through his death on the cross. I mean, I know when I rededicated my life back to the Lord, I was crying like a little baby. Why? Because all the stuff that he had forgiven me of. I mean, I was playing church for many, many years. My parents were like, as long as you're living in our house, you're going to church every Wednesday, every Sunday. And I went, carried my Bible, sung the songs, can talk to people at church, hi, brother, hi, sister, put on a nice little mask. But I couldn't fool God. I could not fool him. Reality hit me face to face. I remember when, because um, September of 1999 is when I rededicated my life back to the Lord. And if you guys remember uh, Y2K, world's going to end, right? All this stuff's going to happen. But it's funny how God kind of took that to, to kind of start picking at my heart and said, you know, if the world is going to end in a few months here, like they're, like they're saying, you know how sad it would be that you wouldn't come and all those years you went to church and carried your Bible, sang the songs, no verses in God's Word, but you're not living for it. You never surrendered your life to me. You wouldn't make it. That really hit me. And it's one of those who are like, wow, okay, Lord. I just fell to my knees in my room and just prayed, crying like a little baby, and it was like a big weight lifted off my chest. Man, ever since a kid, you were always there. Here I am coming back to you, and you're still there for me. What person do you know in this world that would, that would wait for you like that? Maybe a few, but not many. Paul does not hesitate to mention the Lord Jesus in the same breath with God our Father. This is one of hundreds of similar expressions in the New Testament implying the equality of the Lord Jesus with God the Father. In John chapter 10, verse 30, Jesus says, I and my Father are one. I and my Father are one. In John chapter 1, verse 18, no one has ever seen God but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. And then in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 7, Let this mind be in you, which, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, 
but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. So once again, we see here that Paul, in his greeting, puts God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ same, saying, guess what, they, they're one and the same. People are always asking, well, did Jesus ever claim to be God? Yeah, and there's a few verses there to prove it. There's hundreds of more verses, okay, to confirm that throughout Scripture, but here's a few, all right? Verse 4, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you by Christ Jesus. Paul now turns to thanksgiving for the Corinthians and for the wonderful work of God in their lives. That's one thing that he sees. Uh, I will say that this is one trait uh, about Paul's life that should be example to all believers. To all believers. That he looks at someone and he's always thankful of something that God is doing in their lives or what God has done for them. Seeing the positive in that. Because when we look at the Corinthians, I mean, one of the things that you start to study this, you'll see that the Corinthians were not what we would call spiritual Christians. But Paul can at least give thanks for the grace of God which was given to them by Jesus Christ. You know, probably like us today, okay? Can you look around and look, in, look at a brother or sister in Christ and be thankful for something that God is doing in their life or what he's done for them? I mean... I remember probably 2005, me and my wife, my best friend, and then one of the boys in the youth group, uh, Michael Spinello, we went out to California for a youth pastor's conference. And on our way back, we're driving. You gotta understand, this is 11, 12-hour drive to California. We're just trying to kill time. So we're talking, all this other stuff, and one of the things that we, we did, I think it was my wife who had mentioned it, but it was like, let's go around the car and mention something that we're thankful for for that person. So I had to talk about my wife, my best friend, this young man, and then his turn to talk about us three. And it took about an hour of time, just like that, when we were talking about what we're thankful for, what we're so grateful for about this person, and, and how just what God's doing and, and just using them. It was really cool. But this is an awesome trait I, I see here in, in Paul's life, always thanking God for those he's been in contact with and how they're living their lives for Christ Jesus. It's sad if you can't think of anything positive for a brother or sister in Christ. It's like, then what's really going on, you know? Think about that, though, because I look at, and I love them to death, they're, they're part of my family, uh, but my, dad, my dad's side of the family, I love them, but family's family. And sometimes you can't pick your family, Right? You can't. And, and with them, they're very pride people. They, what they have. I remember out of high school, my grandparents calling up, you know, uh, one of my grandpa's brothers, oh, yeah, this is what, um, you know, our grandson's doing, and he got a new car, and this is what kind of car it is, and, you know. It's always like this bragging thing and, and pride. And I see that, I'm like, okay, I get it to an extent, but... It shouldn't be some type of competition in life of who has the most toys wins, you know? It's like, can we be thankful for what God's doing in someone else's life? So someone gets a brand new card, you know, what'd you get? Mm, I don't know. And guys, and I'm not putting anything down, you know, but I'm just, whatever brand, Ford, Hyundai, whatever, okay? It's like, oh, you got one of those? I, 
I don't like that car. Yeah, but someone got a brand new car. Praise God for that. It's like their first brand new car. Can't you be excited? It's like that's the type of stuff that you see a lot. You know, maybe it's our family is so screwed up. I don't know. Maybe you guys got families like that, okay? But I'm just looking. I'm just like, how can you be so, so negative? Just be positive. I, I remember one time I mentioned this from the pulpit before, but my grandparents moved out here from California. They bought a house in Rio Rancho, and yes, it's um, built by a company that's no longer around anymore, but they throw up these homes in these subdivisions. And one of my grandpa's uh, nephews is walking around, and he's tapping the walls. Oh, those are hollow. What the heck? Like, your uncle just moved all the way out here to another state to be closer to, to you guys be around, and you start criticizing the home right away. Oh, it's kind of cheap. They're hollow. Like, what? <laughs> like, oh, my goodness. Seriously? He just came from a 900-square-foot home where, like, six people, seven people shared one restroom. Now he's in a 2,000-square-foot home, brought his family out here, relocated. It's like, can't you be happy for that? I look at that in, in Paul, like, no matter where they were at, whatever people group, he's thanking the Lord for them. Big, small, whatever it is. Something that we need to, to take note of and try to apply in our lives as, as believers. Verse 5, that you were enriched in everything by him and all utterance and all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. As a result of God's grace, God made them rich in every way. Evidently, the Corinthians were putting too much emphasis, though, on possessing the gifts of the Spirit and not enough emphasis on God. That could also be a distraction. God has blessed all of us with different gifts. And we'll see that later on in this, in this book of 1 Corinthians. One can have the gift of tongues. One can have a gift of healing. One can have a word of encouragement for others. There's a time and place for all of it, okay? Time and place for all of it. And just because you don't have one gift doesn't make you less than anyone else. You, you understand? Because this is the stuff that they were getting distracted by. So they were, like I said, focused on the gifts rather than where they were coming from, God. God's the one that gave them those gifts. He enabled them to have those gifts. That's where the, the thanks, the praise should have been. But yet it turn, kind of turned into this like competition. And it's sad when you see that happen, specifically in the church. Now, that shouldn't be going on. Right? Yes, we have a lot to learn from each other. I don't care if you've been serving God for 40, 50 years or you've been serving God for five years. We all have a lot to learn from each other. And that's what I love about our church. We have older people. We have younger people. And I hope that we could all take something from each other and, and learn from each other from that. Some people say, and, and I've had this happen to me a, a few times where some people look at me and they're like, you know what, for your age, you got a lot of wisdom. Hey, praise God. Because you don't even know some of the dumb stuff I've done in life. <laughs> I'm like, wow, I didn't die. Praise God for that one, you know? Because 
you got young, young men, teenagers. You get a group of them together, 16, 17, they're not making the wisest decisions. This is, how can we be cool? What can we do for each other? As you get older, you start to, to wise up a little bit, right? And they're like, mm, I'm not going to do that. That's, that's what I tell the kids here at the school all the time. You turned 18, all right. You, you know what that means now? You could actually get locked up in jail. More, more rules apply to you. That's what that means, okay? I mean, yes, you want to be an adult, I get it. But there's a lot of growing up to do as, as well, right? They say for, for ladies, I know it's a little bit younger, but I know for men, they say that the frontal lobe of your brain, fully developed, doesn't really happen until you're about 26, 27. So some of the decisions that you're going to make, even when, you know, 2021, they're not always going to be the wisest decisions. And I could say, yes, amen, I, I was there, I did dumb things as well, Okay? Shouldn't be a competition, though. Like I said, we all have a lot to, to learn from each other. And um, these guys, unfortunately, were, were looking at what this one has. Oh, you only have that gift? Well, I have this and this and that and the other. Well, that's cool. But even if you just have one gift and you're using it how God's called you to, then that's all that really matters. That's it. You know, each, each and every one of us, like I said, you're, you're going to witness to somebody and you're going to do it one way and this other person's going to do it a different way. And there's nothing wrong with that, you know? Nothing wrong with that at all. I know Blaine's in a unique position, still young, skateboarding, enjoying that. Skateboarding, no, I'm too old for that now, okay? I mean, I'm, I don't got the coordination, but he does it and when he's out there, he has an opportunity to witness, some of you guys are very cheerful, bubbly. You, you do a lot of talking. Nothing wrong with that because, you know, when you go out places, that's when you're going to meet people and you're going to be able to talk to them. And guess what? God may come up in conversation doing that. Some of us are quiet and God will use that as well. So it's, it's one of those things where we encourage one another to use those gifts. It doesn't matter. Even if you have one, that's okay. That's, that gift, how can you use it for the glory of God? Right? I was never showed how to write a Bible study before. I came to Christ. I renewed my life with the Lord, cried out to him in my room. No one showed me. I mean, I got discipled by Pastor Randy Lucero, who used to come out this church, but no one ever showed me how to write a Bible study before. Carl Pete, okay? You guys see him come collect tithing every week. Real quiet, just doing thing. He asked me one time, hey, do you want to go to YDDC with me? These young men locked up in prison, 11 years old up to 20. Do you want to go with me? Sure, I'll go. All I did was sit back and watch him minister the love of Christ to these young men locked up. Didn't ask him, but I just watched. This, look, Carl was complete opposite of these guys that were in there. These guys looked like ex-gang members, Drug dealers, all this stuff, and you just see Carl, right? Carl, no disrespect, kind of looks like Santa Claus, okay? Ponytail, gray hair, beard, all this stuff. But he walks in, and I just see him be real with them, pour out his heart. What's up, guys? Guys got your Bibles? Oh, I brought some Bibles. Let's have a seat. 
We're going to talk about God. Let's go through here. And he only had one hour every week to do this. That's where I, I was like, wow. This guy, sometimes he had notes, sometimes he didn't, but would just talk to them heart to heart about God and God's love for them. It's like, whoa, that's awesome. I was able to take something from him, able to take from a lot of other different people in this room. Just learn. These guys are so focused on the gifts. What happens that they're forgetting about God? 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 31, the, the end of this chapter here says, Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. If we're going to do any boasting, it should be on God. Hey, God's allowed me to do this, or I'm doing this because of him, not because I'm anything great. And if you consider me, uh, hey, you know what, you're doing the awesome work for the Lord. Hey, praise God. Praise God. It always goes back to the Lord. Verse 7, so that you come short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 8, who will also confirm you to the end, that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Corinthian church members had all the spiritual gifts they needed to live the Christian life, to witness for Christ, to stand against paganism, immorality in Corinth. They lacked nothing. They had every spiritual gift. And because of this, they eagerly looked forward to the faith and the hope of the return of our Lord. They had all of this. Guys, I mean, we have more now than, than any other generation. Like I said, what's at our fingertips? There's so many things. You don't remember where a verse is at in the Bible? A few seconds, you can pull out a phone or a tablet. Look at it. It'll show you right there. And I sound really old when I talk to the kids about this in the school, but I'm like, you guys don't even know what it's like, man, to like not have this stuff. This is what you were born with. This is what's there for you. You know how hard it was to go to the library and look up an index card for a number, write it down, and then have to go look for a book? Like now that stuff is right at your fingertips. Like we're without any excuse. This generation was without any excuse of, well, I don't know anything about God. It's right there. Can't say you don't have. Remember what it's like not to have. I mean, we went to um, one of the um, delis to go eat recently in Journal Center over there. And uh, they have the old telephone booth boxes still. No phones in the inside, but just the boxes. And I remember my daughter, Claire, was saying, what's this? You know? Well, they had phones in there before. And you'd have to put money and you can make a phone call. Right? It's like they don't even know. Everything's at their fingertips. Everything is there for them. Just like the Corinthian church, they lack nothing. Before tackling these problems, Paul described this hope for the Corinthians. Paul guaranteed these believers that God would consider them blameless. They would be blameless. This guarantee was not because of their great gifts or shining performance but because of the accomplishment of what Jesus did on the cross. That's why you would be blameless. That's why you are his, because of him. Not because of who you are and the great things you've done, but because of him. Verse 9, God is faithful to whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, 
Jesus Christ our Lord. Believers should never doubt God's grace, his gifts, or his promise to give them eternal life because God is faithful. God is faithful. God is just. We hear it all the time here in the school. People say, that's not fair. I'm like, do you really want what's fair? I mean, you're, you're given grace. If I were to follow the handbook, I could be calling your parents right now. Do you want me to do that? No. Then don't say it's not fair. The Lord is faithful in everything that, that he does. And I would say, just looking at my life alone, that full of grace, full of compassion, full of mercy, because once again, I don't deserve everything he's given, but he's done that for me. God himself had called each of the Corinthian believers into fellowship with his son, and that call will never be reversed. Never be reversed, unless, of course, they threw it out, unless they blasphemed him, but never thrown out. You and I are sons and daughters of the Most High. Yes, you're going to make mistakes at times, but he's there willing to forgive us. We will always be his children unless you don't want it anymore. And it's sad, but there's been a few people that do, that do and they have turned their backs on the Lord. As Paul was chosen by God to be an apostle, every believer has been chosen or called by God. As God called the believers, so he will complete the promise to them. Why? Because he's faithful. And that's a promise that you can, you can bank on. Okay? Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22 through 23 says, Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. That's an awesome prayer right there. His mercy is new every morning. You ever wake up some days and you're just like, mm, I wish this day would end so we can start another one. Yeah, well, that'll happen. His mercies are new every morning. His compassions never fail. Psalms chapter 136 verse 1 says, Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. His faithful love endures forever. He is faithful and that's one thing that we can hold on to. Verse 10 now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Paul had found the church in Corinth on a second missionary journey. Eighteen months after he had left, arguments, divisions had already come up in the church. Church members already started slipping back to their old ways. And these things had come back up. They started getting involved in an immoral lifestyle. Paul wrote this letter to address those problems, to clear up the confusion about right and wrong. How do we know what's right and wrong? What does God's word say? That, that puts an end to all arguments right there. What does God's word say? Because we're all going to have our, our own opinions about certain things, but what does God's word say? That's what matters. Paul simply told them to stop arguing. He had heard about these arguments through some members in the church. And, and that's the sad part, is that when people on the outside start looking at the church and that's what's going on in the church, 
Why are they going to want to come into the church? Where's the difference? Like I said, just, just because this whole society, guys, there's no more agree to disagree. Right? You don't see that in this culture anymore. Oh, we could both agree to disagree on something. No, you don't agree with me. I want nothing to do with you. Just reading an article yesterday on, um, on Yahoo, and one of the things was is that this young man wrote a, a letter to his family saying that his homosexual lifestyle, that's what he has chosen, and anyone that votes Republican, he wants nothing to do with them anymore. Denounce, you know, Republican Party, and we can still have a relationship. Really? Like, just because they don't think like you, you don't want nothing to do with them? That's, that's pretty sad. It really is. And maybe some of you have lost family members because of some of the decisions you've made or your faith in Christ Jesus. It's something we ought to pray for because that's one of the evil tactics that the enemy is using right now to deceive so many people. Internal divisions in the church would only cause strife and hinder the gospel as well as make the church look ridiculous to those on the outside. You're supposed to be different. You're just like me. Why would I want to go to your church? They were arguing over which... <laughs> Here's the crazy thing. I love this analogy here um, by David Guzik. But they were arguing over which position on the team was most important in a way that made the whole team ineffective. I think every team, if you look at a baseball team, every position is important. But it was like, oh, I'm the pitcher, you're nothing. Well, that's cool if you're the pitcher, but if you have no one to catch the ball, what good is that going to do? Right? I mean, every role is important. Like I said, they were on the field, but they were out of the game because they couldn't work together as a unit. That's what Paul's trying to point out here. Every role is, is important. I was listening to some music the other day. I know, here we go back to music, right? Of course, me, Christian rap. That's, that's my, my genre. And I hadn't heard this album in a while. And this song had come on by a group called LPG, which means Living Proof of Grace. And this, this album came out about 2001 in this group is rapping and I'm listening I'm like whoa I mean I remember these lyrics from back then but now when I'm a little older I'm listening at a, at a different in a different way now and how much meat was actually there and what they're talking about to just the other Christian rappers in that genre and I want to read a few verses from this because like I said I, I read I was listening to this and I was just like that is just crazy that's amazing how God's using this group to try to put out to the whole Christian community that, that wants to do rap, like what it's really, really about. It's about Him. God blesses, once again, everyone with different skills, different gifts. And this is what this group was saying. One of the members was rapping and he said, unity is not uniform. Different tools for different jobs. Different crews for different jobs. Back then, it was super crazy. Late 90s, early 2000s, really within the Christian rap culture, 
if you were not a Calvinist, you were not, you, you haven't achieved anything really, is the way they were looking at it from some groups. Like, huh, you're, you're still an infant. You haven't achieved or arrived yet because you're, you're not a Calvinist, you know. This guy is saying, look, unity's not uniform. It's, gonna, it's not going to look the same. Once again, you're going to use a hammer for one job, a screwdriver for another. Different tools for different jobs. To, but ultimately, it's to get the job done, right? Guys, most guys, I know you don't look at instruction manuals, okay? But <laughs> when you put something together, but here's the thing. It'll tell you the different tools to use. All these different tools is what? The outcome, this is what it should look like when you're done. Okay? And sometimes they send extra parts, right? <laughs> they really do, though, okay? <laughs> there are some that every part, though, it's got to be used, okay? And if you look at the manual, it'll tell you that. No extra parts. So if you have extra with some things, probably should have looked at the manual, all right? Different tools for different jobs, different crews for different jobs. Focus on the common thread, not job description. The common thread, Christ Jesus. That's what you focus on. Christ Jesus crucified. That's the common thread. Don't look at the job description. Meaning don't get so caught up with titles. Well, who are you, right, to be talking about this and that? Once again, like I said, Including myself, even though I'm a pastor, I have a lot to learn in life still from everyone in this room. That's the way I look at it. Yeah, I may have some, some knowledge or God has shown me some things along the way, but believe me, there's some things to, still to be learned. Don't get focused on the job description. Look at the common thread. Unity will come together when it's looked through the eyes of eternity. Unity will come together when it's looked through the eyes of eternity. It's sad, because like I said, a lot of backbiting going on back then in that genre of music. People are going, how many people did you have at your concert? Oh, we had 5,000-something people. How many at yours? 200. Oh, 200, wow. Does that even really matter? It shouldn't. Once again, what's their job? There's some groups that are going to go out there, and guess what? They're going to encourage the believers to keep going in their faith. This group was one of the groups where they would go into the slums. They would go to the, to the neighborhoods, and they'd be amongst these people that were considered nothing. Oh, you rap? So do we. Watch. You want to you battle? And they'd battle, and they'd get respect to these people. And they'd, oh, man, that's cool. How long have you been doing it? Oh, since, you know, this year, blah, 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 all this stuff. God's given me the ability to do this. And that's how they're preaching. This this group's preaching, so is this group. It's just in a different way. And that's okay. Here was the kicker at the end of the verse, but he said, remember when you believed until the church taught something else? Remember when you believed because you believed for yourself? Remember when God was your example of righteousness? Remember when your faith was childlike, not childish? Ouch! I heard that and I was like, that's, that's good stuff there. Man, wisdom of these guys, what they were trying to get them to see. Go back to the basics. That's what it's all about, the common thread. It's Christ Jesus. That's all we need. doesn't matter about who's doing all this stuff. 
I'm looking at my notes. I think we're going to stop right there because there's a lot of, of meat here in this first chapter, and I don't want to rush it. Uh, I really, I think that's a good note for us to end on, just taking it back to the basics. It's all about Christ crucified, and uh, we're going to start getting into, like I said, next week, because um, I'll be with you guys next week as well. So just a heads up. All right. Maybe you come back. Maybe you don't. I don't know. I don't. It's, it's up to the Lord, okay? Whatever he wants to do. I'm just putting it out there. I, there's no need for me to rush to try to give this to you all right away and, and make it quick. Like I said, we have enough there. And so with that, let's go ahead and pray. Worship team will come up to lead us into one last song. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, we do want to thank you for being such an awesome God to us, Lord, full of love, grace, and mercy upon our lives. We thank you for blessing us with just the gift of life amongst the other gifts that you've given us just to go out and minister to others about you. Father, I just want to pray and just ask that this morning that you would stir up our hearts, Lord. Maybe we've been complacent maybe we've been very content with where we're at but i I pray and just ask that you would stir us lord just to to go out and show your love to this world because it needs it lord all the way from the president all the way down to our local officials co-workers lord anyone that doesn't know you i pray and just ask that you would give us the words that you would want us to share with them maybe through our actions maybe physical words Lord, I I just pray and just ask that you would be with us and you would help us to do so, Lord. Not so that we can look good or we can say, oh, I've brought this many people to Christ, but Father, your desire is that no person be separated from you for eternity. And I pray and just ask that somehow, some way, that all of us in this room, that you would use us for your glory. Lord, whether we do this a lot or, or once in a while, Lord, I just pray and ask that we would be sensitive to your Holy Spirit and that we would act on it when you call us to. Lord, I just want to pray this morning and lift up those who are here, Lord. Um, Lord, you know what's going on in each and everyone's lives. I just pray that if anyone needs to tighten up their walk with you, that you would, Father God, strengthen them. Lord, that you would just draw them to you, encourage them, Father, that they are one of your children. But this is what you desire and require of us, Lord, how to live our lives. So do that there, Father. Lord, we just want to lift up anyone this morning with any sickness going on, Lord, from the common cold all the way up to cancer. Lord, you're the great physician. You, are, you know our bodies better than any doctor. Lord, not trying to downplay them, but you've given them their knowledge. And Lord, we're thankful for the advancements of, of modern-day medicine. But Lord, we come to you and just ask for healing for those that are not feeling well. Lord, that you would touch their body, that you would get rid of any pain or discomfort that they may have. Lord, and just get them ready as we get ready to start a new school week, a new work week. Father, I just pray that you would just be in control of all things in our lives, Lord. Father, I pray and just ask now that as we go home that you would just help us to reflect on you, what you've done in our lives and how you can continue to to use us. And Father, even the things that we have not seen yet, Lord, I pray and just want to thank you for those blessings in advance. We ask that you would be with us now, and we pray this in your precious name. Amen.